Greetings, Glenn Meadows. Jim Booth here, discipleship pastor, along with our senior pastor, Mac Roller. Woohoo! Bam. Uh, we're excited to start uh, week two of our summer curriculum, and we're jumping into Jonah chapter three. So, so we're jumping right in as Jonah got spit out. So, right. uh, Pastor, uh, we already had some great conversations because, boy, this has a lot of interesting uh, things taking place in Jonah's life as he interacts with Nineveh. That, that, that there's some clarity that new believers or those in life group might want to talk about, and we can help our leaders in that direction with, uh, with uh, going over it. Yeah, I think as you look at, you know, if you're to outline the book of Jonah, you, the first chapter would be see Jonah run. Chapter <laughs> two would be see Jonah pray. Third chapter would be see Jonah preach, and the fourth chapter would be see Jonah pout. So, <laughs> so here it is: he, uh, see Jonah run, see Jonah pray, see Jonah. And the only reason he prayed uh, was because he's thrown. He was trying to save him, save his life. He's like, desperate. Yeah. And then see Jonah preach, and that's where we're at now. And it's interesting: the very first sentence, the very first verse in chapter one is just like chapter three, verse one. And then it says, and then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. And and it says almost the same thing. Get up, go, and preach. And that's what he said in the first verse of the first chapter. And so just imagine if he would have been obedient the first time, he had to been, <laughs> he wouldn't have had to be swallowed by a well. And here's our, our uh, finding humor in God's word. Yes. And so verse 3, so Jonah got up and went to Nineveh according to the Lord's commands. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, we're not going back in that fish. <laughs> I learned my lesson. You know, you can learn a lot through disobedience. I don't recommend it. No. <laughs> it's not the best uh, tutelage. But however, we really learn a lot, sometimes the hard way. Also, think about the sailors. They had to go through a lot. Mm -hmm. um, so if you're thinking, I'll go ahead and be disobedient. And in the end, I'll be a lot smarter. You know what? You put a lot of people through trauma when you choose to be disobedient. And that's what happened here. And that's great context, life group leaders. So as you uh, are mining out your head, heart, and hand questions, uh, keeping that second time in in the first verse of chapter three in the back of your mind, and, and you know, it, it'd be a great sharing piece is, have there, has there ever been a time in your life um, when you were stubborn or resistant to God's command for you to do something and you learned your lesson? And then how did you respond? Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I can, I can hear all kinds of people answering that one. Oh boy. And, uh, I know, I know my life group, they would all be, Oh, well, I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. It's really good. Now, Nineveh was an extremely large city. A couple things. Where's Nineveh located and what do they mean by large back in those days? Yeah, it's a Syrian area. And so it'd be Northeast. So, uh, Jonah went West and he ended up in the Mediterranean in this, in a well's mouth. And then he repents and gets spit back up on the shore. And that's back in Israel, kind of like where he started. And an incredible journey. I mean, 500 miles away to the northeast is where Syria is, Nineveh. Uh, if you're on a camel, if you're on a donkey getting there, you're talking a month of, if you're walking, even longer. We don't know how he got there. All we know is he got up and he obeyed the word of the Lord, and he walked a long time in the desert getting to Assyria. Wow. Jo then that's just what you said. Jonah set out on the first day of his walk in the city and proclaimed, "In forty days, Nineveh will be demolished." Uh, not not uh, what we would call a uh, optimistic message. In uh, this, uh, actually, more of a uh, doomsday. 
um, oh, yeah. message. Is that fair? Oh, yeah. Okay, think, let's go back to his attitude. He, he never wanted to go to Nineveh no. because he's prejudiced. Let me just call it what it is. He hated mm-hmm. the Ninevites. Mm-hmm. Why would a pagan country that has beat up on Israel for so long, why would God want to honor Nimrod and all those bad leaders who were pagans and horrible people, what they did to their own people? Just disgusting. Uh, why would you want to preach the gospel to them? Can I pause for a second? You know, I've had somebody even say this to me. Why would you even want to go over by the border to minister to people when, and of course, all in the news, all you have is people sneaking over the border and and there's a bad reputation. And the only the only relationship people have with those living in Mexico is some of the negative stuff they see on TV. And they'd say, why would you even want to go down there? I mean, why help them? And you're like, I don't even know where to start with that nonsense. I mean, how how short sighted could you be? And so that was that was that was Jonah, just short sighted, prejudiced, hated people, didn't want to go. So imagine him; he's got maybe a month to figure out what he's going to say, maybe a month to pout, and then he steps into the city, and the city's really big. It takes him three days to go around it. Uh, if I remember right, three to five miles square. It's a big, you know, pretty big city for that time. Um, and so he probably wasn't preaching with a lot of enthusiasm. In fact, his message, look at what it is. It's very, very short. Uh, it's, it's five words in the Hebrew. (laughs) Wow. Five words. That's all he said. Uh, basically in 40 days, God's going to demolish you in 40 days. God's going to demolish you in 40 days. God's going to demolish you. And, uh, according to this, he didn't even give hope. He didn't even tell him what to do. He just says five words. You know, judgment is coming, mm. and uh, obviously had a great effect. Man, as 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 you lead us through this, and um, if I'm in, uh, sitting in a life group right now, what's piercing my heart is, um, how dare Jim Booth mm. judge other people, especially from a lens of their hope to receiving grace from God. Mm. While I so freely tug on God's grace chain every day mm. over my life, mm. and it's like wow. And so now, now, now the question comes: as you shared that, then I'm like, when have I been Jonah? Man, what a great point, Ouch. Jim. I mean, you know, chapter two, he just God poured His mercy and His forgiveness on Jonah, and yet Jonah couldn't in turn, show that to the Ninevites. Uh, the reason we know that is because of chapter 4. I mean, chapter 4 does speak to his attitude. He still didn't want them to repent, although he was the one who did receive the grace. And uh, it's a challenging question for us today. Have we been forgiven much, but can we forgive much in turn? So, Wow. That's amazing. So, so we move to the next, their response. The men of Nineveh believed in God. They proclaimed and fast and dressed in sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least. Yes. Yeah. Um, so they, they, uh, they proclaimed. I mean, they, they actually agreed. <laughs> so there was a statement they're making. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of like a confession. God is right. We are wrong. Uh, they were very, they were, they were very much like Sodom and Gomorrah. Just, just detestable city. So they, they actually agreed. They proclaimed, yes, this is true. Then, then a fast, dressing in sackcloth and ashes. And sackcloth is, uh, <clears throat> uh, is kind of like it's goat hair. Um, 
and it's very uncomfortable. Uh, very few people use goat hair for anything except the very, very poor. I mean, if you, if you're going to clothe yourself, you had no money, you just took some goat skin that they're going to throw away and you just fashion some kind of, uh, what's that called that you just poncho type thing. So like a potato sack, like a potato sack. Is that, is that very uncomfortable? I, I don't really want to wear a potato sack. Yeah. But the only thing, according to what they think, the only thing worse than that would be going naked. And so they put something on. And so here's the point. So you can imagine the wealthy, the king, and it says from the top to the bottom, they all did this. As if to say, unified, we're all one force. We all are uh, offensive to God in every way. Uh, we as a city, we as a nation, look at us, God, we all look the same. And it's also just identifying the being poor in spirit. Um, look, we are, we are detestable and, uh, we, we're not putting on jewelry. We're not wearing our clothes our normal clothes so that we would draw attention. We don't care about how we look. We are just being poor in spirit. And, uh, man, here's a challenge Uh, for us guys. It's not hard. I do it all the time. You just go to Walmart and you just wear your ugly clothes and you walk around and you you might be you've been mowing the lawn or you've been working digging something and you're stinky and you just go, but you know do we really want to be seen like that? Uh, maybe other people that are listening you would think no that'd be tough but think about it what if what if you just went out in public you came to church and you just didn't you didn't dress up you didn't you weren't concerned about how you looked in fact you just came as you were uncombed. Mm. Uh, Uncapped, wow. and how would that challenge who you are? I mean, some people you might be listening, and you may think, "I wouldn't even dare do that. I don't ever get out of the house unless I'm just to the nines." Well, maybe you ought to think about this. It's not about outward appearance; it's about our relationship with God. Now, that's in a that's in a state of mourning. It is, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with wearing a suit or nice clothes. I like to do that. I like to. I'd rather look nicer than not. But when there's repentance involved and fasting, it's not about us anymore. It's about the condition, contrition, repentance of our heart. That's amazing. Um, when word reached the king, <laughs> he got it from uh, his throne, took off his royal robe, put on sackcloth and sat in ashes. Then he issued a decree in Nineveh. Before we go any further, well, uh, no king responds that way. No. No, that just doesn't happen, right? Yeah, clearly God is moving, in spite of the heart of Jonah. That's right. That's <laughs> I mean, right. As you read that, uh, by word of the king and his nobles, no man or beast, herd or flock, is to taste anything at all. They must not eat or drink water. Furthermore, both man and beast must be covered with sackcloth, and everyone must call out earnestly to God. Each must turn from his evil ways and from the violence he is doing. Who knows? May God turn and relent. He may turn from his burning anger so that they will not, so that we will not perish. Man, um, could there be a better response when you're checked? No, that is, that is immediate. It's immediate. It is thorough. Uh, it is uh, humble. Uh, it is contagious. I mean, it's got all the signs of the movement of the Holy Spirit. I mean, if you have to think about conviction, am I going to respond? 
um, you're probably not in a good place. Wow. It, it's that, that, um, if I, if I, again, in life group leaders, it's a great question to ask is, um, when, when your sin is called out, um, how do you respond? Hmm. That's right. You know, we, we talk about life group doing life together, uh, part of doing life together, uh, uh, see to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful and unbelieving heart that turn mm-hmm. away from the living God. And the verse goes on, but when your brother calls you out, when your brother says, hey, man, what you're doing is not good, um, sounds like uh, Nathan and David right there, um, right. Uh, you're the man. Right. Uh, how do you respond? There's a right way and a wrong way, um, and excuses don't cut it. Yeah. The the typical answers when somebody doesn't want, you know, there's there's whether you're calling someone out or they have genuine conviction. Maybe they hear a sermon and they're talking about it. And that's most common. People will bring up oftentimes what they're being convicted about, and they will either slander the messenger. This is interesting. A a, a thousand years later, Jeremiah goes to Israel, preaches the same message, and they put him in jail. And they ridiculed him, and they mocked him. And that was a big mistake. That was a huge mistake. I mean, for centuries, Israel has paid the consequences of that move. And here you got Ninevites. They hear this guy walking in. Of course, he's probably skin bleached from the acids, the stomach acids of the well. He may still have seaweed stuck between his teeth. His he may his hair may look just horrible. And you got this, you know, grim reaper looking prophet saying, God's gonna kill you in 40 days. And they do. And then and then and then you take a prophet that was accepted by Israel who had been prophesying, everything he said had been coming true, and once he pointed out their sins, they threw him in jail. And so it is common for people to respond to conviction in a very bad way, but the common ones we do is we either say things like, well, everybody does it, or that's unrealistic, or uh, you know, someone said this about this, but that just doesn't make sense, and they, they, it's called deflecting. I'm so glad you brought that up because here's what's going on in my head. Again, again, furthering the point that God will use who he uses to proclaim his message. And this is what went through my mind. If I'm Jeremiah, I'm just throwing my hands up and I'm saying, hold on a second. <laughs> now, Jonah is is a piece of work. That's right. He totally has the wrong heart. And this whole nation repents. Now, God, I love you with all my heart. And yeah. now I'm in jail. That's it. <laughs> it's That's like, right. what? That's right. That's <laughs> Something's exactly missing right. in the story. And what it is, is, is uh, we are to do what God's called us to do with a loving heart for our Lord and Savior, regardless of outcome. Amen. And regardless of others' success or, Amen. or decline. Yeah. I, I, I have a friend. He's a pastor. Uh, and uh, he's actually a descendant of Jonathan Edwards. This is really interesting. Ooh, that's cool. And he was dating a girl in uh, at Oklahoma Baptist University. He made her mad, and I don't know what happened. And all of a sudden, uh, she was she was like, "We're done." She didn't say that. She just turned to him and just said, "Look, your life is like this. You're that. Uh, there's no way you know the grace of God, and God's." Uh, Hell is really hot, and it's for religious people just like you. He got saved from that. I mean, he genuinely got saved. He's now in the ministry and a great man of God. But he was telling, when we were sharing conversion experiences, I just said, You're kidding me. She was mad at you. She was trying to run you off. She shared the gospel, and you get sh- saved. And he goes, That's exactly what happened. And so I'm not, I'm not advising that's the way you share the gospel. <laughs> I'm just saying, God, in fact, I have another friend. His name is Bill. He uh, became an evangelist. And he got saved. He was just 
just a guy that worked and drank a lot of stuff he shouldn't drink and getting drunk. And his two-year-old boy walks up to the coffee table while he's watching a football game. And the boy, the two-year-old boy, points at the family Bible and then points at Bill and then points in to heaven. And he he saw that and he goes, That's don't do that. And then the the baby kept doing it, pointing at the Bible, pointing at Bill, then pointing at heaven. And eventually it just freaked him out so much he came to his senses and he repented, got saved, and I met him at Christmas Christmas Bible College. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Uh, uh, again reminding us it's not the vessel, it's God. That's right. Isn't he it's gracious? God. Oh. Yeah. Then God saw their actions. Here's the God we serve, right? Mm -hmm. Then God saw their actions, that they had turned from their evil ways. So God relented from the disaster he had threatened to do to them, and he did not do it. How many times in Scripture do we see uh, a, 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 the, the character of God? Mm -hmm. And how many times uh, has God withheld his judgment yes. from a repentant heart? Amen. Amen. Uh, ladies and gentlemen in life group, he withheld for us. Amen. No, no, no. He did more than that for us. Yes. He did not just withhold. He gave his only begotten son. Right. Yeah. To suffer the most sufferable death. Yes. In our place. Yeah. You know, there's one, there's one point of forgiveness. There's another person to pay the debt and forgive. It's just like, it's, it's, it's as if the guy that burns your house down and you, you, you forgive him of everything he's done and you pay for your house to be rebuilt again. He was, he, as, as it says in Romans, he was the just and the justifier at the same time. I mean, how much grace do we walk in? Is this story as much about Nineveh or Jonah? Oh, good question. Because I'm thinking in my heart, how many times have I set my heart against a person or a people? Hmm. Because I'm watching all of this story, and it's so amazing. I mean, we're literally broken for the conclusion of the story. And then I'm thinking, how, if you continue to read, which I don't recommend uh, in Life Group, rabbit trailing this far out. But here's the deal, though. How bitter do you get that you literally have disdain for God's grace on others. Yes. You know, I, I think the highlight is, is uh, the highlight of this is Jonah's prejudice in light of God's great, glorious mercy. I mean, how can the two exist? And we have opinions of how people should live and act, whether you're seeing them on a street corner holding a sign or where they're trying to cross a border or they live in the White House. And we get all tied up in, in all the differences and the things, the criticism we see in all those. But the reality is they need the love of God, period. I don't know why people do what they do. I'm not even supposed to try to figure that out. All I know is God can fix it. And I should be happy about that because he fixed me. Amen. Or he is fixing me. We're still Amen. working for us. So. Anyway. That, that leaves really good questions. What are areas in what are areas in your life you're still asking God to help you with? Amen. Um, Amen. And, and then actionable. Uh, there's so many actionable questions. You know, we always say in the life group cur curriculum, use these questions. Or and here's a here's here's big bold no matter how big we make it, we can't make it big enough. Or formulate your own. Uh, and I'll, I'll say this: uh, comma instead of period, follow up questions. Yes. 
In other words, uh, what are some areas in your life that you are asking God to work on you? Are there anybody in your life God is prompting you to go repent to for the bitterness towards the grace on them? Yes. How many times we look at someone who's given our heart to the Lord and disqualify them because we knew their past from God using them in a big way? Hmm. Oh, That's right. you know, and I'm speaking to the church right now. Right. You know, but but for those of you that, that may be unchurched and listening to this, God loves you and he will literally send one man to save you alone, not just an entire city. Exactly. Right. It, 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 it's called going after the one. Amen. And um, if you're in life group, start thinking, uh, leaders start thinking, how are you going to prompt everyone to not have a Jonah spirit? That's right. Any concluding it's a short one, you guys, but it's a powerful one. And I think that the, the, the theology questions are answered. It's now, this is one of those life group evenings leaders where you just get to knock this one out of the park. Man, if you leave your, your life group with any thought, they should walk away. You don't even have to articulate it. But there's a reason we chose three instead of two, chapter three instead of two. The book of Jonah is not about a well. It's, it's about a bigger problem than a well. And that is just prejudice and hatred, uh, wanting to stay in a comfort zone instead of breaking out and watching God reach that 1%. Like Jesus said, I'll leave the 99, I'll go for that 1%. And so that really is the issue. Love it. Thank you, guys. God Love bless it. you. God bless you guys. Have a good day. Or night or morning. Or night. Could or be. Or evening. Afternoon. Or they could be at dinner. Have a good dinner. Everybody's eating. If they come to my life group, they'll have a good dinner. Ha, 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 ha.